like to see some good Christmas jumpers here. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have any, but uh, we do want to welcome everyone who's joining us for our live stream. It's only one part of our service here at uh, City Temple and Chelsea Community Church. You can be part of the whole thing just by sending us an email, or better yet, by coming down and joining us at 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Uh, this morning, I'm going to read from actually five different places, so I'm, I'm going to keep you busy finding spots in your Bible. There's a short bit in each place. The first is going to come from uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And then to Lamentations. Uh, and then Romans and 2 Corinthians and ending up in Matthew. Before we read, let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for the Bible. Thank you that it is trustworthy Thank you that it is true, and thank you that it leads us to salvation in Christ Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come now and fill this place and draw us closer to Jesus Christ. Open our hearts, open our minds, that we might receive everything that you would communicate to us today. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would rest on me, that I could preach your word to your people. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, we pick up with verse 9. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to humanity. And then to Lamentations, just after the book of Jeremiah, if you're looking it up, Lamentations chapter 3, you might say, well, I've never heard of Lamentations or heard anything from Lamentations, but almost certainly you have. And it's this passage. We'll pick up from verse 19. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind and therefore I have, hope. I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. And then to Romans, Romans chapter 6. The last three verses, starting with verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, 
the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Then to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Starting with verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way that through us, uh, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the unsurpassing grace of God upon you, Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. And then finally, let's go to Matthew. Chapter 1. Starting with verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph... Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. I don't know, do you have, you know, the, uh, the, the most precious present that you've ever received at Christmas time? Now, I'm not talking about Jesus here at this stage. Uh, but, you know, think about all the years, of all the presents you've received. How many do you remember? And of those that you remember, what one was the most precious? Uh, for me, the one that comes right to the top, and if my sister is watching this, she'll burst out into tears. So, uh, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, for me, the one that comes to the top is a stitching uh, that she did for me uh, many, many years ago in the tradition of something called Precious Moments, uh, which are a group of figurines and illustrations that usually involve children. They're rather whimsical at times. And this one featured a young man standing on a soapbox with a pulpit, looking down over the soapbox at a mouse standing there looking up. And the caption was, 
Preach the truth no matter what. Still today, my, uh, my favorite Christmas gift, the one that comes to my mind, sorry, Karen, if you've given me one that I should have remembered, uh, I do apologize for that. I'll have to make up for that one later. You know, so uh, we think about gifts this time of year, and we often don't think much about what God has given us. And yeah, okay, we think you know, about things like Jesus Christ with us, but there's so much that God has given us. Uh, I'm, I'm going to expose a little bit of the, the process of sausage making. You know, most people say, if you knew how sausages were made, you'd never eat one. You know, and there's, there's a certain truth about sermons and sermon series. Uh, so Marcos and Gisela came up with this sermon series, which has been a great sermon series. And uh, we talked about it a couple of months ago. And I was really excited because they were going to do the first few. And when they started out, you know, the greatest gift, you know, and then there's the gift of peace, I think, there, and uh, the gift of joy. And I'm thinking, okay, I know where this is going. The next one would be like the gift of hope. And then I'm going to get the gift of God with us. You know, so I'm going to do that. And I was working on that and thinking about that. And then lo and behold, Marcos preached that sermon last Sunday. And it's just, uh, but it's fun. It's fun when that happens. It's such a cool thing and such a gift. It's so fun. You know, I love that kind of thing because it always leads to serendipitous moments when instead of just assuming what God wanted me to preach, I actually asked him what to preach. Now, most of the time I do that, but occasionally, you know, we get lazy or whatever, and we forget to do that. And so I did do that, and then I realized that what he wanted me to preach was exactly on this theme, and that Marcus had already said everything we need to say about God with us, you know, but it's the idea, the gift that God has given us, yes, it's Jesus, but for us personally, it's the gift of life in Christ Jesus. God's given us peace. He's given us joy. He's given us love. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us His Son, Jesus Christ, God incarnate. He's given us so many things, but He's also giving us the gift of life in Christ Jesus. But often when we hear that, we're just assuming that, oh, well, that just means eternal life, so I got this life. When I die, it's going to be good for me because instead of burning in hell, I'm going to go to heaven. And I really like that idea, and that's good. I mean, if it was only to get out of hell, I would follow Jesus. But there's more to it than that. There is life that we have, a gift of life in Christ Jesus that comes to us by grace through faith that we receive as followers of Jesus Christ. And we need to understand, especially this time of year, we need to understand what that life is all about, what it really means, and it's more than just pie in the sky when you die. It's so much more. It's so much more. The gift of life in Christ Jesus is first the gift of a hope filled life. A gift of a hope-filled life. I mean, golly, we're living in really, really terrible times. And if you think it's worse than it was 20 years ago, it is. 
Now, a lot of times people misremember the past. And sometimes the past is worse than you remembered. I had an elder in my first church. He, he often said uh, that people who always long for the past forget things like uh, we didn't have washing machines. We didn't have refrigerators. You know, we didn't have this and that and many other things. And so he would always say he would rather live in the present than back in the past because he liked that. But today, there's so many things that are so difficult. I mean, you think about theft, shoplifting. Shoplifting is so bad that many shops won't even let you carry in your own bag, your own bag to carry your groceries around in it because there's so much shoplifting. There's so much violence. We saw that the, the trial unfolding just in this last week where the young person was killed by two other young people for no other reason than just they wanted to see how to kill someone. We see what just happened in Prague this week with the mass shooting that's going on there. We're seeing that all around us. All the problems we have, all the problems in our society, but then all the problems in our world. And we like to talk about, right now, it's the, it's the war du jour, what's going on in Gaza. But Gaza is just a small piece of what's happening in the world. Yeah, we talk about, you know, 20,000 people, 20 plus thousand people that uh, uh, casualties in all this so far. But we're looking at 27,000 Ukrainians. We're looking at 13,000 Sudanese civilians here. Civilians. We're looking at more than 10,000 uh, citizens of Myanmar, Burmese. These and many, many others have lost their lives in senseless wars. We see what's going on in Yemen with the, Hout uh, the Houthis, and you can go on and on and on and on, and it's really, really a mess. And in the midst of this mess, we have hope. In fact, as Christians, we have a hope-filled life. You see that in Lamentations. Jeremiah, probably the writer of Lamentations, his society had completely collapsed. They lost their government. They lost their economy. They lost their leading citizens who'd been carried off into Babylon. People were trying to kill Jeremiah. They didn't like the fact that he was a young guy and he was also prophetic and pointing out other people's sins and on and on. And he's having going through all kinds of struggles. He says, gosh, I remember my wormwood and my gall, the bitterness of my situation." I, you know, I'm thinking about this. I'm surrounded by misery. Yet, this will I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is good to all those who wait on him. Now, hope, we have to understand, hope is not wishful thinking. Uh, wishful thinking is, oh, I, I hope that uh, the king will call me up for that cup of tea since uh, Betty just forgot before she died, she forgot to invite me. I hope that that will happen. 
I hope that my church will buy me a new Mercedes CLA class. I, I hope that it will snow tomorrow. I, I hope that everybody will love me and nobody will hate me. You know, you, that's wishful thinking. That's not hope. Hope has to be based in reality. Hope has to be based in a promise. Hope must be based in the Lord. We hope in the Lord. We have hope because we have life in Christ Jesus. We have a relationship with God. Jeremiah 29, the Lord says, I know the plans I have for you to give you a future and a hope. And we have no hope apart from Jesus. And our hope is based in the character and the promises of God, the explicit promises of God, not our distortion of those promises in Christ Jesus. God never promised that we'd be millionaires. God never promised that we'd have the, the house we wanted, the car we wanted, the spouse we wanted, the bank account we wanted. He never promised those kinds of things. And so if you, if you try to hope in that, you're, it's just wishful thinking. But we have to hope in the character and the promises of God because there's where our future is. That's where our hope is. And this hope also carries us into the world to come. Paul said, if we hope only for this life, then we're going to be most miserable. But we have a hope in eternity in Christ Jesus that is ours right now. And so that gives us a hope-filled life. And the hope keeps us going. The hope keeps us moving forward. Because God will not disappoint us in that hope. So the gift of life in Christ Jesus is the gift of a hope-filled life. But the gift of life in Christ Jesus is also the gift of an enjoyable life. Uh, I just learned something this morning. Uh, I learned uh, that uh, the Cromwell Museum up in Huntingdon, up in Cambridgeshire, has done a bumper business uh, this year selling Christmas canceled mugs. Because you, you remember the parliament uh, for outlawed Christmas during the 1640s. Uh, and, uh, and so, but everybody's apparently buying them and they love them. And, uh, and you know, poor Cromwell, he's got a bad rap, uh, bad, bad rap for that, although it wasn't his decision to do it. Uh, and it never really was enforced, you know, but a lot of times people think that Christians are against fun that we don't want to enjoy life. And we often look back at the Puritans and say, well, the Puritans, you know, they just hated life. They didn't want people to have fun. And even Christians today hate life and don't want people to have fun. And that is malarkey. It's totally untrue. I mean, it's true for some. But, you know, there's probably just as many Muslims that hate life and Hindus that hate life, and atheists especially that hate life, as there are Christians that hate life. And so that's okay. They can go and, and humbug themselves to death in the corner somewhere. But for us, life in Christ Jesus is designed to be an enjoyable life. 
as, uh, as Solomon said. I mean, here's Solomon. Now, Solomon tried everything. Solomon tried, you know, sleeping with women. He tried getting a lot of money. He tried doing a lot of public projects and things like that. And in, at the end, he looked at that. All these pursuits is what people are pursuing today, which do not lead to an enjoyable life. In fact, after having everything that anybody could want, he was as wealthy as Elon Musk back in the day. After having everything that anybody could want, he finally said, you know, all of this is vanity. It's all like mist. And that word vanity is like the mist on a cold winter's morning. You breathe out and you see your breath and then it disappears. And that's what he said. It's all, none of that is the key to enjoyment. None of that is the key to enjoyment. He says, you got to understand that you have eternity in your heart. God knows. He's put it in your heart that you've been created for more than this life, for more than this world. But you can't figure God out. So don't even try. Uh, one of the most unenjoyable questions in life is the question, Why? Why did this happen? Why, did this, why, why is this going on? Why? You're never going to get a satisfactory answer to that question. And it's a vanity question. And so Solomon, after having everything anybody could ever want, and saying it's all vanity, all the wives I've had, the concubines I've had, everything that I've had, it's all vanity, it's all meaningless. We need to reorient ourselves to God and... After looking at all that, I found, you know what the thing, the thing is? The gift from God for life is to be joyful and do good and enjoy the life God's given you. Eat and drink. I love that part of Solomon. Eat and drink and find pleasure in the work that you have to do. In other words, Solomon said that God's design for us God's desire for us is to have an enjoyable life. But we need to understand what that means. And basically, an enjoyable life is about being good, seeing good, and doing good. It's about being the person that God has created you to be in Christ Jesus and following Jesus Christ so that you're not weighed down by sin and all its problems. And then it involves looking for good in everything. It doesn't mean everything is good, but in almost every situation you can find good if you look for it. And that's the key to being joyful. Looking for the good, seeing the good, affirming the good, and that will lead to joy, and then do good. Do good. Enjoy your relationships. Enjoy eating and drinking. Enjoy your Christmas celebrations. Enjoy whatever it is that you have. Enjoy the resources that you have. And use all of that to do good, and you're going to enjoy life to the fullest. And Jesus is the one that enables us to do this. Jesus enables us to joy, enjoy the life God has given in God's way. So we need to be good, Look for good, see good, and do good. It's guided by the Lord. And we'll experience that gift 
of an enjoyable life. But life, the gift of life in Christ Jesus is also the gift of a fruitful life. This is what Paul is talking about there in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, where we read. In that, in that passage, he had asked the Corinthians, they had pledged to give some money to help the Jewish people in Jerusalem who were suffering in the famine, Jewish brothers and sisters in Christ, and, uh, and encouraged them to give money. But then he says, you know, but you need to understand that the God who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, this same God is going to supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. And this is a gift, an indescribable gift of God. This means that God has given us a fruitful life. It means that your life matters. Your life counts for something. You may not always understand what it is, but you are important in the kingdom of God. You are valuable. Paul tells us in Ephesians that God has seated us with Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. He saved us by grace through faith, and he's given us good works to do. In other words, God has planned for our success. You understand that? God has designed you to succeed. As long as you live in the life that you have in Christ Jesus, according to God's way. The problem is that God's definition of success is not always ours, and certainly almost never is a Western definition of success. But we have been designed to have a fruitful life. God has given all of us resources that, so that we might use them to bless other people. God has given us life in Christ Jesus to ensure that our life matters. Your life really does count for something in the Lord. So God has given us life in Christ Jesus, the gift of life in Christ Jesus. It's the gift of a hope-filled life. It is uh, the gift of uh, the gift of an enjoyable life, and it's a gift of a fruitful life. But it's also the gift of an eternal life. We can't forget that. And that's where what Paul says in Romans chapter 6 comes in. Well, outside of Jesus Christ, everyone is a slave to sin. In other words, if you don't have Jesus, you will always sin. That is why every attempt, every human attempt to fix something will fail. Every human attempt to solve climate change will fail because of human sin. Every human attempt to completely eradicate poverty will fail because of human sin. Every human attempt to eradicate warfare will fail because of human sin. Every attempt that you make in your own strength to fix a relationship will fail 
because of sin. Every attempt, and you can keep going, to just about anything that you want to do outside of Jesus Christ, it will, is destined to fail because of sin, because, as Paul says, the wages of sin is death. It's death. If you sin, you're a slave to sin, and what you're going to earn is death. It might feel like life, but it's death. There are some poisons in this world that are quite sweet and pleasant to the taste. But if you drink it, you'll die. There are some sins that seem quite pleasurable and wonderful, but the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what happens? When we come to Jesus Christ, this life begins right now because God in Christ sets us free from the power of sin. I know we all sin, but we don't have to. We're learning not to sin. We do sin, but we don't have to sin because Jesus has set us free from the power of sin by the cross. When he died on the cross, Jesus broke the power of sin over our lives if we follow him, if we receive him. And it begins the process of sanctification, according to Paul. Now, sanctification is becoming holy. It's the process of learning to live without sin. Unfortunately, the process of sanctification is not completed in this life, it won't be completed until Jesus comes again because we have all these people around us reminding us of sin and we have ourselves reminding us of sin as well. However, when you receive the gift of life in Christ Jesus, you are set free from sin. You are established in the process of sanctification. You are declared righteous and holy before God. And when this happens, there's a promise that God will work in this life in everything to bring about good. Doesn't mean that everything is good, but that God can work in any terrible situation to bring about good because we are called according to his purpose. And this life then that we receive in Christ Jesus, this gift of an eternal life that starts right now, starts the moment that you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this gift of eternal life is indestructible because it continues into eternity and even death itself cannot take the gift of life away from you in Christ Jesus. That's the power of the life that we've been given in Jesus Christ. That is a life that God has for all of us, and that is a life that we have all received the moment we believe. The gift of life in Christ Jesus that starts now and continues fully into eternity when we experience the fullness of God's love and joy. This is the gift of life in Christ Jesus. It's the gift of a hope-filled life. You know, it, it is... It's the gift of an enjoyable life. 
It's the gift of a fruitful life. It's the gift of an eternal life in Christ Jesus. The key is you have to receive it. And the key is anybody can receive this life. Anyone. Anyone can receive it. God is offering it to everybody on the face of the planet. By his grace, all you have to do is receive it. And in receiving it, you have to understand first, you can't buy it. You cannot buy it. It's based on grace. And you can't buy it because it's free to us because Jesus is the one who paid for it on the cross. He paid for it when he died on the cross for us and for our sins. But even though it's free to us, even though you can't buy it, it does come with a guarantee. And the guarantee is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So you can't buy it, you simply have to receive it. And you can't take it, and you can't earn it. You certainly can never deserve it. You can only receive this gift of life in Christ Jesus. You can only receive this gift of life in Christ Jesus by faith. Through the grace of God in Jesus Christ. And so to receive this life, you receive it by God's grace through faith, turning from your sin and turning to Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you. And you can do it in a simple prayer. But you turn your heart to the Lord and you say, Lord, I want to receive this gift of life in Christ Jesus. I don't want my sin anymore. I want to receive life from you. I want to receive this hope-filled life. I want to receive this enjoyable life. I want to receive this fruitful life. I want to receive this eternal life. And anybody who turns to the Lord, who opens their heart to receive, can have it. But, there's always a but, isn't there? Receiving the gift of life in Christ Jesus does make demands on you. Now I think, oh, okay, this sounds kind of weird, but help me, let me explain it. Uh, Karen and I, when we moved to London, we thought we'll never buy a car. Now, you know, we have a car. Uh, and the reason why we have a car is back in 2006, we're waiting in the queue at the airport and somebody in the church at the time called us and said, Rod, I was talking to the Lord this morning and he told me something that I didn't like. So I asked my wife and she talked to the Lord and the Lord told her the same thing. And that is, we're going to give you our car. I thought, that's pretty cool. Someone's given us the car. And it was a Lexus. Ooh, a Lexus. You know, that's, that's pretty exciting. Now, there's some little problems there. I didn't have a UK driving license at the time. Uh, I didn't have insurance. Uh, and uh, so what did we do? We felt the Lord tell us to receive this car. 
but receiving the car came with certain expectations. It was a free gift. I did nothing to earn it. I certainly did nothing to deserve it. And there were probably a few times after I got it that I wanted to give it back. But it came with certain requirements, and I had to fulfill those requirements. And the same thing happens whenever we receive a gift. We understand this generally. But it's true when we receive this gift. It does make demands on us. It demands that we surrender our lives to God. Because unless you're fully surrendered to the Lord, you cannot fully receive the life that he has for you. As long as you're clinging on to something, you can't receive something else. So you have to let it go. You have to surrender your lives to God. You have to understand that you're going to now live as a slave to God. And that's quite offensive language today, talking about slavery. But the truth is, everybody's going to be a slave. Either you will be a slave to sin and death and hell, or you will be a slave to God. That's your choice. Everybody's going to be a slave. And as soon as anybody says, I'm nobody's slave, I can guarantee you, you are a slave to sin. So Paul makes it very clear here in this passage about the gift of life in Christ Jesus. Those people have become slaves to God. And it means that we now need to sow our lives for the benefit of other people. If God's given you a fruitful life, then do something with it. Don't let the fruit be wasted in the barn, but make sure it gets out to bless people. And God has prepared those good works for us to walk into. God has designed us to succeed, so we need to start walking into that which God has designed us for. These are the demands. But that's part, these demands, living in these demands is part of receiving the gift of life in Christ Jesus. And the great news here is even though this gift makes demands on us, God has already given us the ability to fulfill them. God's given us his grace. That means if you mess up, okay, you've messed up. Repent and turn away from it and just get back up and keep walking because God's grace is on your life and he gives you more and more and more grace. God has given you his Holy Spirit. So even if you don't know what to do, you say, God, show me. Guide me by your Spirit. If you don't have enough strength, you say, God, empower me by your Holy Spirit. If you don't have enough wisdom, you say, God, give me the wisdom of your Holy Spirit. And the promise is that everybody who asks and keeps on asking will receive all these things. Because the God who's given us his very own son, Jesus Christ, will not spare us anything. But he will give us every good thing. And that's a promise. A promise that we can hope in. Because it comes from the heart of God for you and for all of us. So this Christmas, I pray that you and everybody watching 
will receive fully the gift of life in Christ Jesus. Do it simply by praying to the Lord in your own words. The Lord knows your heart. Say, Lord, I want that life. I turn from my sins and I surrender to you. Jesus, help me follow you. Sanctify me. Let me become like you. And God will hear your prayer and respond because God loves to give gifts, even at Christmas. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you. We thank you for giving us the gift of life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus, we thank you for becoming God with us, for being born as a baby in humble circumstances in order to live a sinless life. Show us how to live life to the fullest and then to die on the cross so that we might have forgiveness and that we might receive the gift of life from the Father in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move in the hearts of anyone who has not fully surrendered their lives to God and lead them to do that this very moment and come fill them up to overflowing. And for those of us who have already given our lives to Jesus, for those of us who already have received the gift of life in Christ Jesus by grace through faith, help us to surrender everything to you. Help us to lay down all that stuff and junk that we cling to so closely. Help us to lay down all our wishful thinking, our desires not based on your promises. Help us to release it all in an act of worship to you that you might fill us afresh with that life that we have in Christ Jesus, that you might restore us and renew us and recharge us so that we might continue living for Jesus, enjoying life, seeing our hope fulfilled, sowing ourselves in fruitfulness, and experiencing freedom from the power of sin, all so that we can live boldly for you. We love you, we praise you, we worship you and honor you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and we pray all this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's go and worship the Lord together, shall we?